All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here today with co-host father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? Doing great, Andrew. We got a young goaltender here. Actually, not young. Well, he's young. He's your age, but uh, he's got quite a bit of playing experience here. And I love when we have goalies on the show. Go for the intro. This guy's got quite the resume so far. Yeah, we got today with us Michael McNiven. So Michael played in the OHL during his teenage years for Owen Sound Attack from 2014 till 2017. During that time, was awarded OHL and CHL Goaltender of the Year, as well as signing his entry-level deal with Montreal in 2015. Following his junior stunt, Michael spent his first pro year with Montreal's AHL and ECHL affiliates, serving as a backup for Montreal the following year and grinding out in the minor pros the next few years. After years of working hard, Michael got his opportunity to suit up in the play uh, game in the NHL with the Canadians. And last year, he had played the entire season with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits of the ECHL. And we're going to be here to talk to him today about that whole pro hockey career journey he's had so far. So please welcome Michael McNiven. How are you today, man? Good. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, it's been a long time that I've been on a podcast, so I'm excited to be here. Cool. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So uh, only 26 years old and quite a journey so far. So let's start back in the OHL days. Lots of success and accolades. Talk to us about that time and winning goaltender of the year awards. Uh, those were the good days back in the days. Um, you know, Owen Sound was a great spot. Uh, it's a good spot for players to be able to focus on hockey. There's not much going on in Owen Sound. It's a very tight knit community. Um, you know, I made lots of friends there. Uh, I always go back. I love to go back there. It's, you know, a great summer spot. It's, it was a great place for me, uh, in my younger years to kind of grow up and leap to the next level. I think, um, we had a good coach there with Ryan McGill, as well as, uh, Greg Ireland when I started there. And, uh, you know, uh, Gilly was hard to coach with, hard to play with while he was coaching. He was very demanding. Um, you know, obviously he's in the NHL now. Uh, I believe he's with New Jersey still. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I owe Owen Sound everything. You know, the fan base was great there. Everything was, uh, you know, everything I thought of it, it was sold out every night. Small barn, but it was loud in there for sure. Goaltender of the year, uh, you obviously knew you were probably up for that, but is that even on a player's radar of like, hey, I could win this award, or is just when it happens, you're like, great. You know, I was when I was in my junior career, I was always highly doubted player. I was always, you know, one of the better goalies in the league, and it was always a competition. Um, you know, when I was playing, and it it never even crossed my mind to be honest. I never, you know, thought maybe I never thought I would ever win that award, but I honestly did not think about it the whole year. I did not expect it the whole year. I had a, you know, I had a pretty tough year uh, mentally. I lost my mother that season. Um, you know, I it was it was tough for me, but well, we you know we came through. I think the second half of the season we stepped it up a lot. I think we finished twenty six and two or twenty six and four. Um, so, you know, it's it's not all just me. It's a team effort, especially in Owen Sound. We didn't have, uh, you know, we had Nick Suzuki. Um, but, you know, he was still a young kid back then. And he, he wasn't the player he is now, but he was definitely was very good uh, in Owen Sound for us. So you started in 17 games during your team's OHL playoff run. How brutal was that run? And what was the most intense rivalry? 
It was that was a tough one because you know we faced all good teams. We faced Kitchener, we faced Sault Ste. Marie, we faced um and Erie. And I think you know, Sioux was the hardest. I think they took us up two games and we came back and won four straight. Um, you know, I think obviously we didn't beat Erie, but I, you know, I, I, I will remember the play. We were on a power play at home in, in uh, Owen Sound and we tried to break out the puck, I think four times a total of, and we couldn't do it. We just couldn't break it out of our end. And the last one, the guy just, we ran the same plays all four times, and the guy just read the fourth one, left the stick in the lane. As soon as we tried to drop the pass, he picked it off, breakaway, they scored. That was game four or five, four, I think. We were going to go up, uh, we were about to go up 3-1 in the series if we wouldn't if we wouldn't have let that in. That was kind of the TSN turning point, I'd say. Uh, that, that was the tying goal. They ended up winning in overtime, I think, and then they won the next two, and it was kind of you could see from the last two games of that series that, you know, that was the TSN turning point. We didn't have as much power. We didn't have the puck as much. Um, I think it was that was when Strom and Radish were still there. So I think, uh, you know, they, you know, they were having more touches. And you know, thankfully McDavid wasn't there anymore. But yeah. uh, you know, we still had to deal with some very good players on that team. So I mean. It was very fun. It was the most fun I've had in a while. And, uh, you know, I kind of miss those days a little bit. So talk to us from a goaltending perspective. So you're in the playoff run. You're deep into the playoffs. Stress, stress, right? And we understand we've talked to coaches about this. We've talked to players about this. But we haven't had a chance to talk to a goalie about it. What happens to the goalie in these clutch games uh, in preparation? Do they just leave you alone and be like, let Mike do whatever he wants to do. Uh, leave him alone, or are they pumping you up? And how did you prepare for big games? Because you're the most important guy on the ice, you and the other goalie, really. Well, I, I think, um, you know, my teammates back then knew who I was. They knew that, um, you know, I was definitely an underdog, and I was one of the better goalies in the league. And they knew who I was mentally. So, I mean, I'm the kind of guy that likes to be pumped up. Um, you know, I play a little bit off my ego, so, you know, if I'm feeling good, then I know it's going to be a good game. If I'm not feeling good, you know, I know it's, uh, we'll see how it goes kind of thing. But when I was in junior, I just was always in the zone. I, you know, like I said, my teammates would always just pump me up telling me, you know, I was the best, this and that. And it would just, it could just take me to different levels when I'm like that, when I have people teammates coaches that are confident in me and trust me I can you know elevate my game to the next level and it made it that much easier in that playoff run so I believe you're undrafted but you ended up signing I think in 2015 your entry-level deal with Montreal I think it was just a two-year deal and then you signed later in 2017 so I want to talk about that first deal you signed with them how that come about were you always talking to Montreal undrafted talk about that whole thing that's kind of a crazy story because not many people I got to tell that story just because of the situation it was. But um, I went to um, obviously the rookie tournament. I think it was in London that year. Mm. Uh, me and Zach Fucali were the goalies. Mm. And I ended up playing one of three games against Toronto. Um, played in my eyes exceptionally well. I think I had, I think the game was, the shots were 52 to 27, something like that for Toronto. 
uh, and we won six four. So I had a good my first pro uh, look, I guess you could say, was um, you know it was it was it was definitely a confident builder, and it, it definitely took me forward in the camp. I know that that summer, the first development camp, they asked me to lose weight. So I came back, lost that weight, played that game, played good. Uh, good things just kind of added up for me, kept going, kept going. And um, I was actually picking up sushi at the restaurant outside my hotel in Montreal. Um, this was probably a few days after main camp started, probably around uh, the 20th. And I think I signed on the 24th of September before heading back. And I was getting sushi, waiting for my order. And the the Laval head coach, well, with St. John's back then, their head coach, uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, was getting sushi too. And he came up to me and he came and shook my hand and he goes, Michael, congratulations. And I said, for what? And I was, oh, you haven't heard? No. And he just walked away. Just like that. <laughs> it didn't say a word to me. Just walked what? away. So I went back. And at that time, I was roommates with Fukali. We were uh, roommates in the hotel. So I went back and I just said, dude, you wouldn't like believe this. Like Sylvain just said this. Nah, 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 nah. Like he's like, oh, contact your agent. So like I called my agent. He didn't know. And then he called like the head uh, scout uh, Timmons. Trevor Timmons, I think his name is uh and uh he's like yeah we're thinking of signing michael we shall we'll send an offer to you tomorrow morning so i mean that's kind of how it happened it was very uh you know i didn't think it would take only one game to make their minds up but yeah, it worked yeah. and uh you know i had the opportunity of a lifetime to be with the canadians who was the best shooter that you played against in the ohl during your time anybody that had your number or that you hated seeing down coming on the rush Oh, you played in the O, man. You had all the good players. I mean, I, I, I will, too, but come on, man. I remember, um, in the playoffs, my the year after I got dry, I signed, we played London. I think it was the year London went, uh, we were the only team that beat London that year. They, they won the uh, yeah. 17 and 0 or something like that. And yeah, for the Memorial Cup, we were the only team that beat them twice. And I remember them coming down uh, the one game, Dvorak and Marner coming down. And Marner dropped it to Dvorak. And Dvorak just absolutely let it rip, bar down. And I I remember the shot. And it was wicked. It was a wicked shot. It was definitely one of the hardest. But I'm trying to think. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot more. There's a lot in, in the OHL. There's a lot more skill than I would say like power. There's yeah. definitely the odd guy with a hard shot, but like, you know, I had a guy on my team, Petrus Palmu. Uh, he was five foot seven or something, but I mean, he probably had one of the hardest shots in the league. Wow. wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So you go on, you become a pro, uh, splitting a freshman pro year between the East Coast and American League. Talk to us about that first year. Any hard lessons learned or things that you had to adjust to? Um, or did the OHL really prepare you well? To be honest, in my in my year last my first year, I wanted to go back to Owen Sound. I tried to um, I tried to go back. Um, Montreal had said that you know there was nothing I could really do in junior. Um, I had made all my accolades and this and that, but I think in my best interest, I think it would have been best if I went back. But um, you know, I think. 
first of all, the speed. Speed is huge, I think, especially now within the last five years. The speed of the game has, you know, or last 10 at least, have, if not double, tripled. Like, it's it's super fast now. And, um, you know, obviously, I think it's that. And then just how smart players are and how good they are with the puck and without the puck. So, I mean... It, it, it all depends on your team, too. You know, in my first two years pro, I was unlucky, and we were last-place teams. So, I mean, that was kind of tough. But you, you if you look at my stats, you can see that the second year, even though we were still in last place, you know, my stats definitely got better. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, a lot better. So, um, you know, I think maybe, you know, it was just a gap between the first year and the second year that I finally had adju- more adjusted to – the AHL level, but it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a speed thing and everything's go, go, go on that league because those are the guys that are really, you know, they're that close to the NHL, right? So they're, you know, they're really giving it your all, whereas in the East Coast League, you know, there's less back checking and, you know, on the defensive end. So it's it's uh, definitely a different game up in the uh, AHL and NHL. So after that first year, I think that second year, correct me if I'm wrong, I was trying to figure this out. Did you get called up to serve as backup for Montreal that year? Second yeah, year? I might have. I might have went up in the first year too. I okay. can't. I think. Um, actually, I think it was my first year. I can't remember if it was my first, or my second year, but my first call up was New Year's. Um, I ended up going to the road trip was Florida, Tampa, Dallas. So it was pretty cool, pretty good road trip to be on. Yeah, you ask me. Um, every city was great, and we had New Year's in Dallas, so you could oh, only imagine cool. that. Uh, you know, we had some fun, and um, my first experience in the NHL is was a good one. It's one I'll never forget for sure. So I know that my father kind of already asked hard lessons or things you adjusted to, but during those first two years as a goalie your style right i'm not a goalie so i don't know you know the certain styles of it but did you have to adjust your style at all to the pro game because guys are bigger faster were you able just to get better at what you were already doing in the ohl yeah that was a huge you know that was actually a huge thing that i really didn't think about um montreal completely changed me they completely changed me uh from head to toe um is it the I'm goalie coaches? A, is it the system, the way that they want all their goalies? To I, th- I think it's a bit of everything. Okay. You know, I, I think it was a bit of everything at the time. Um, you know, and I do, like, with my goalie coach, who still is my goalie coach, Marco Marciano, um, who's still the goalie coach in Laval, um, you know, we've had, we've had talks about it. We've had, you know, I've not liked certain things and while I was playing there and this and that and um, – you know, one thing I learned in, in pro is that you really need to be open-minded. As good as I was in junior and the accolades I had and, you know, I'm sure everyone thought, oh, I, I was going to play, I'm going to play in the NHL at some point while I'm not there now. So, um, you know, it's definitely hard. You need to have an open mind and, and try and learn as much as you can and, and use as much as you can in the pro game because every you need every single tool in your box as a goalie because anything is possible in the NHL. Okay. Guys are picking up pucks on their stick now, you know. Yeah. So, um, definitely was you know some stuff I didn't like, but yeah, I I was completely changed. I was a super raw goalie. I never had a goalie coach in junior, so okay, it makes sense. Right. But I mean, I was stopping pucks in junior, so you know, right. I I, I would have 
like to have maybe tried my own style out a little bit, but yeah. I understand where Montreal was coming from. And, um, you know, I appreciate everything I learned because I'm definitely, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was more sporadic, really raw, like almost like a fish out of water. You know, this, as the saying goes, um, yeah. I wasn't really technical, but now, you know, if you watch video from then and how I am now, it's a two completely different goalies. Yeah. Wow. Well, at, as a sort of side note, um, and, you know, we talked off air, you know, we've just had on three East Coast head coaches and it seems to be, and they've admitted it too, that the toughest position to be in, in hockey is a goaltender. And it seems like just in our perspective, um, like we look at the Bruins organization quite a bit and they've got goalies stacked upon goalies, you know, the depth of goaltenders is getting so big and it starts to get a little rough, I would say for the players, because if you've got like right now, you got Swayman and, and Allmark, but you've got two, if not three goalies in their system that could probably be playing in the NHL as well. What do you think about the development or is there a lack of development in the farm teams to work with these goalies? It just seems like goalies are, um, uh, um, like left to dry almost. Yeah, at least in my of, opinion. You know, you're kind of alone. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like as long as the coaches have their depth, they're happy with that, and it's, it's you know, it's just tough to be a goalie. I guess is what we're saying. Um, you know what? Yeah, it's definitely tough, especially because you're playing against men in that league. So when you come in, your your coach is already feeling stressed because he has a rookie goalie. So, um that puts stress on you as like me as a goalie and then stress on me to perform. Um, but they do get held out to dry a little bit, especially um, if the first like couple games don't go as planned, you know, teams will give up on their goalies pretty quick, but uh, you know, the young guys, the draft picks, you know, they'll, they'll get a fair shake. You know, I got five, I had five years with Montreal, so I had my time, you know, I thought I'd, I thought I might have deserved a bit more than what I was playing. I, you know, I know I deserve a lot more than what I was playing at the time. I was barely playing. Um, you know, the way things worked out for me, uh, I, you look at my stat line from the jump from the first year to second year stats, and then the third year, Caden Primo came in. There was absolutely zero reason for me to get sent down, but just because he came in, they sent me down, and I ended up playing on four different teams. And you'll yeah. see my numbers on those four different teams. They're still the best numbers in the East Coast League, except for, I think, Norfolk's numbers, just because we were not good at all there. We were a tough team there. Um, great yeah. city in Norfolk, but it was definitely a tough team there. That's tough, And, too, and yeah. that's where we're going to go next. So fast forward to 2019-20, uh, pretty hectic season for you. Like you said, you're moving around. And then COVID hits. So talk to us about that year and what was going on with you right when the season started to cancel during COVID. What, and then what did you do during COVID? Uh, so when COVID happened um, that year, yeah, I came to camp. I kind of knew I was getting sent down. Like I knew it in the back of my head, but I was also thinking like, there's no way these guys can send me down with the numbers and everything that I did last year. Like, there's just no way. And they still did. They <laughs> did right away. And, um, you know, it's literally like if, if an organization likes someone, you're screwed. Yeah. 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 You're done. Yeah. That's what happened. 
you know, it's, they liked him and, you know, that was that. So, but anyway, so I went down and, and that's what my goalie coach told me. He said, listen, you can either go down, pout, screw yourself, wait till your last year of your contract is done and not get another one and, and move on with your life. Or you can go down, you know, keep your mouth shut, do your work and we'll see you soon. So that's what I did. I put my head down, didn't say a word, did my work by, I think, February or January, whenever it was, I came back. Um, that was crazy. I came back, first practice, we play, we're playing the next day. I come back, and um, Joel Bouchard is the coach, comes up to me and says, uh, Nivy, you're playing tomorrow. And that was my first game, and Keith Kincaid was there. And boy, was Keith Kincaid mad at that for me coming down to the East Coast League and, and playing over him. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, you know, I really don't know what would have happened that year because I was playing uh, exceptionally well those three AHL games I played. And, um, you know, we still had 20 games left, I think, something like that, 15 games or something like that. And then COVID hit. We were told to go home and stay in our house and wait uh, for further instruction. Um, you know, a few days went by and then they were like, okay, you know, sit tight for a couple weeks here. We're going to see if we can resume the season. Yeah. Nothing obviously went through. And eventually uh, they just said, you know, season's over. And uh, and I, we ended up doing the playoffs that year, did we? I think the bubble. Was that the year of the bubble? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the year of the bubble. Yeah, so then... We just stopped, and then uh, I remember getting a call from the lawyer, John Sedgwick, um, whenever that was, mid-July. Hey, you want to come start training? Uh, they're doing a playoffs in the bubble or whatever. So then we went, we all started, we all flew back, started training, test every day. Every single day, we had that thing up our nose for two years. I think it was a year and a half. It was crazy. It was the worst thing ever, but... Then when, uh, but anyways, I ended up doing like construction for a bit. My uh, my ex's father had his own company, so I was lucky enough to have work and, uh, you know, stay active during that time when most people were stuck in their houses. So you had finally you got the call up to Montreal eventually, though that next year. What was the opera or what was the story of you getting that call or that opportunity that you were going to play? Um. So actually that was a crazy story too. All my stories are crazy. <laughs> um we're in uh well we started they started I think right before Christmas. They put us all in a group and they said uh they said there was like 50 people in the group so we were confused but everyone had covid. They're like, yeah, like we have like 20 guys with covid right now cuz like for those 2 days off with Christmas like everyone got covid. Because I'm assuming guys were seeing family and, you know, the list goes on. So they were short a lot of players. So we started, I forget where that road trip started. We did that road trip. We came home for two days and then they went out again on a, to start a long road trip. It was like a 15 day, like coast to coast. Like they started in Boston, went all the way down. We went like, I ended up joining that road trip after the Boston game and we went all the way around to Vegas, all the way up to Colorado, Minnesota. That's where we finished in Minnesota. And in morning skate, I took a shot in the glove and I actually broke one of my fingers in my catching hand. 
but I was fine. Like, I thought it was a stinger. Like, I was okay. Went home, went to nap. No pain. I could move my finger, and I woke up. My finger was, like, this big. Uh, like, wow. it was just, like, huge. It was crazy. So then I went to the rink for the game, and I was, like, Graham to the the uh he's not the uh therapist there anymore but he he, uh, he got let go this year i think but i said graham something's wrong with my finger it's huge like and uh, it didn't feel broken and they did an MRI. they did a uh x-ray on it right there um and they looked at it and they said oh no it's fine so whatever i went and i was backing up and obviously kaden got pulled i ended up playing so for the third period and then uh, after the game um therapist pulls me in he goes michael i need to talk to you i'm like oh no like what's wrong he's like yeah it's broken i should have closed up on the picture but i i didn't see it i thought i could see it from there so it was like cracked straight down the middle like halfway through my finger and uh so i ended up playing my first nhl game which wasn't a good game anyways we we had a tough game as a team that game and not to mention everyone had covid it was right. pretty much the Laval Rocket playing, you know what I mean? So it wasn't the ideal NHL, first NHL game, but I'm happy to say that, you know, I had the opportunity and, you know, I I did, I would have liked more than one, but at least I played what I worked 20 years to do. So oh, absolutely. absolutely. Thank absolutely. God. Thank God the therapist didn't zoom in on the x-ray, bro. You probably wouldn't have played that game. Yeah, you know? exactly. Probably, you can't play with that finger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, we talked, uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, around March, I think of uh, 22, uh, crazy month because uh, you do get traded uh, to Calgary. And then shortly after that, uh, traded to Ottawa. But when I was talking a little bit about the Bruins and the stacking of goalies, was it kind of, um, were you surprised at the trade or did you actually ask for the trade? And the reason why I say that is, is I always look like Vladar for Boston guy who deserves to play and does play in the NHL, but there was no way he was going to get into that lineup in Boston the whole way. And he yeah. asked, I think for that trade actually to Calgary, wouldn't he? Did yeah. he go in at Calgary? Yeah, did go to Calgary. Did, what was that trade from Montreal? Do you think it's just like, hey, my time here is done. I gotta, I gotta go elsewhere to get a chance, or what? Uh, it was definitely a bit of everything. I think um, if you guys did some research up on that season, uh, I wasn't too happy. Uh, you know, I was just tired of it. Yeah, of all that stuff. You know, I, I did every single thing Montreal asked me to, and no matter what I did, it, it you know, they. They wouldn't. They didn't give me anything. You know, yeah. it was uh, you know, when I would do something, they asked. You know, me playing a game in Laval. That was that was the kudos to me to play in Laval. I'm like, I played there for five years. And it, you know, it wasn't really that shouldn't have been a, you know, a gift for me. But it, that's that's how they went with it. And, and you know, it it is what it is. That's it was uh. It was definitely hard COVID. It was just because I had playing time and then I like the mess with goalies. I was happy that I got out, but yes, I did. I did pretty well request. I pretty much requested when I, yeah, I did the one uh, article. I don't know if you guys read about it, but yeah, it, right about then was, you know, I was checked out at that point and you can, you know, my stat line, it says that too. Like I was done there. I, I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, no, I was just tired of not getting a fair shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it brings up that point of being a, a tough, being a goaltender, because you do have to, 
you also have to navigate uh, emotionally, I guess, mentally of, you know, you're not a, a center or a defenseman where you, you're playing every game. Uh, and if you're fighting for ice time, um, you know, th that you don't get ice time. You don't get the recognition. You don't get better. I mean, it's just kind of a rough, rough spot to be a, a, a goalie. Yeah. And then you got traded to Ottawa like 17 days later. So what happened with that? I mean, you were with Calgary for just a minute. You yeah, moved to Canada and you moved to the other side of Canada then too. <laughs> yeah. I, so when I first got traded, I actually I had to wait for my visa in Calgary. So I actually didn't go there for like almost two weeks because yeah. they were in Stockton. So I sat at home doing nothing for two weeks because obviously I got traded. So Montreal wasn't going to have me come skate with them. And then uh, once I got my visa, I flew to Calgary or sorry, to Stockton in California. And you know, that's a pretty dangerous place, I guess. So yeah. uh, I was told uh, when I got when I landed, do not leave my hotel room. Do not cross the road only because uh, the apartment <laughs> the apartment building is right beside the rink that they like if they um it's actually like a college dorm okay and, and i guess they own a, a, a few apartments in there so when guys do come in instead of putting them in a hotel they go into the apartment so that's kind of like the quick uh before i have to kind of get my own place thank god i didn't but they were they were pretty much set on me living there for the season yeah. for the rest of the season when i was talking to them and uh yeah you know i was a depth piece there um they they had their two guys one wasn't doing that great their backup um so it was a little bit of an opportunity but um i guess belleville's goalie mandelazy that year he ended up having i think i'm not sure if he had surgery that year or what he had but he had some kind of uh season ending injury there and uh yeah that's why ottawa made the trade for me they had a kid on an east coast league deal that you know especially that coach i know that coach um and uh he doesn't like young goalies so um and i played belleville more than enough we played them 16 times a year i think 12 times a year in laval so i mean they've seen me enough and i think that was um i think that was definitely a better opportunity for me but um, the goalie coach in Stockton was amazing. Uh, I think he's in the NHL now. I'm not, I can't remember where, but um, he was amazing. Um, the coach in Stockton, uh, Mitch Love, unreal dude. Um, guy works his bag off as a coach and uh, most of the guys love him. So I think that's why they were so good there in Stockton for the last two or three years with that guy behind the bench. And um, yeah, I ended up getting traded at the 11th hour I was actually in the gym working out still, and it was probably like four o'clock on uh, the deadline day. So I was actually, that was the week after I, I got there and we went on a road trip that weekend. So I had no groceries. So I was going to go do my grocery shopping and the deadline had been over. It was past noon. Deadline was over. Coach called me in the office and then they called the GM and they were all, well, I didn't know this, but as long as the trade is still pending, it right. can still go through, right? right yeah. So I was still pending, I guess. And that they ended up doing the trade. And yeah, I was going back home where I literally just was like a week ago, a week before that. So, um, you know, it was nice. I had my daughter at that time. 
Um, so it was nice to be close, but I didn't even really end up going home much at all. So, um, you know, it didn't really matter, but it was nice to know that I was still close to home and, uh, yeah, I ended up finishing the year there. So you finish, uh, last season, uh, in, in Greenville, you also have, uh, uh, ACL that you had to deal with. And, uh, we talked a little off air, but, uh, give us a quick update because you've had, you know, news over the last two weeks and, you know, where's, where are you at at the moment? Um, yeah. So like I was saying earlier, um, you know, I was, like I said, I was signed with Greenville all summer long. Um, I was prepared to go there. You know, I was, I was working hard on, on my end. Um, you know, I had a good strength coach here in Montreal that I was working with twice a week when I was doing my lower body workouts to make sure they were done properly. And, uh, you know, I worked hard this summer. It's been a long summer. I've basically had my summers since November. So, um, you know, I'm kind of chomping at the bit, to play some games again and uh back in the groove you know it was just with everything that happened with that injury it was just kind of kind of sucked but um yeah I think that's more or less the issue um and Greenville ended up releasing me a week ago so um due to cap violations and uh you know I'm just waiting for you know sad to say but the first injury to go down and and uh, I'm hoping to be the next up somewhere so if I'm a if I'm a head coach or even a GM and I'm interested, I'm giving you a call and, and my concern is uh, hey, how did you recover from the ACL? I mean, how are you feeling? And you know, you know, you'd be honest with them. So how is it? Are you uh, feel you're hundred percent? Uh at this point, yeah. It's been long, it's been long enough that uh, yeah. I bypassed hundred percent a while ago. I mean, I've been cleared now since um you know, early, late July, early August. So I've been cleared for a couple months now. And, uh, you know, I've been, I was full tilt on the ice, obviously, until a couple weeks ago. Obviously, most guys are gone now. So there's not much um, availability from that, that standpoint. But uh, I'm not too concerned about it. You know, I, I'm, I can't wait to be somewhere, uh, be back in the group and be able to do what I love. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in prime shape. I'm ready to go. And like I said, I'm just waiting for that call. Would you be willing to uh, pretty much go anywhere? Meaning, you know, uh, you can make a, a lot more uh, in the EIHL over in the UK or the uh, even the German Dell one or two you'd be making. Is that something or you want to stick in North America? Where's your. Uh... Right now, I think the best bet is is the play. So whatever's going to give me playing time, I think is the best. But I definitely. um I would be open to Europe at some point. I don't think right now is the time to be open to that. I think uh, for me, I have unfinished business in North America. Um, you know, obviously, I, if I if the opportunity comes afloat, something in North America along the lines of AHL or NHL contract, um, you know that that'll be more in my cards. I think right now, uh, I need to I need to prove my knee is okay before I go to Europe, because I know obviously the money is a bit better there, but I, you know, in order to get that money, that's what I need to showcase. So I, you know, money isn't too much of a concern right now for me. It's more about playing because I know if I can play, I know I will get somewhere because I know what I'm capable of. I yeah. think, uh, you know, that's it. Like I said, uh, you know, I was one of the highest paid guys in Greenville. Um, 
the last two years. So, you know, with what I was making there, they could sign two players. So I understand uh, that concept of it, especially if you can take a younger goalie that's doing just as good. But I don't think uh, I don't think three games makes up a pro career, you know, but definitely the smaller contract for a team, it can help them out. I don't know what their systems are, but, um, you know, I'm prepared to play. I'm not I'm not really looking for money. I'm looking for a spot to play. So, um, you know, it's any coach that comes to me, definitely there's going to be a discussion about money, but I'm not going to be looking for that. I'm going to be looking for my best scenario to play games. Yeah. And, you know, you want to be, you know, the, the pro Sabi, we can say this, we don't want you to say this, but, and and I'm sure it's just part of the game and it's just a, a bad deal for you, but uh, it is pretty pretty shitty just to uh you know drop you you know as the seasons as camp's done and the season's trying to start on the east coast league and you know it doesn't put you in a great position like you said you were signed all summer but i'm sure you're going to be picked up really fast yeah uh but uh i guess that's just the business side of hockey Mm -hmm. so to finish uh finish with uh sort of uh a little bit of humor and to rack your brain a little bit we always finish with our players with lightning round questions. So a name, a place, if you got a story, the time's yours, but we're going to hit you with some questions. Whatever's the first thing to come to your mind. You ready to go? Yep. All right, here we go. Do you have any weird or strange pregame ritual superstitions? You are a goalie. I wouldn't say weird ones. No, I think uh, I definitely have, you know, I get ready the same way every single time as as crazy as it sounds, every single step I do is the exact same every single day. Doesn't matter if it's a game day or practice day. So it's I always do you know, whatever order it is, whatever the order of getting my equipment on. I put it on the same way every time. Uh, the way I warm up, the stretches I do, and the order I do them, um, it's all the same. It's the exact same, like to a T. Nothing changes uh, whether it's a game day or practice day. It's the same exact routine. That's. It's not. I wouldn't say it's. It's not weird. It's just that I'm so time managed on that stuff that yeah. it's just. It just doesn't change. That's the thing. That's so, the weird thing. I'll ask. This might or might not pertain to you, but we don't get a goaltender too often on the show, so right. I'm going to ask. Yeah. What's with the drinking the water bottle and not really drinking it, but you just kind of swish it on your face and you spit it out, and it happens every time, like. You let a goal in, the goalie, the first reaction is to be like, hey, it didn't affect me. And you get the water bottle, you take it quick, you put it back. (laughs) But everybody seems to do that. Is that just a thing or what is that? I don't know. I probably do it because I'm probably hot. It it really does. It really does get hot under our equipment. Like you'd be very surprised with how tired as a goalie you actually get. Like if you're sitting in a squat for two minutes long while they have pressure, and you're sliding back and forth like you get exhausted so and some of the it depends where you play like being in greenville we were in a lot of hot arenas like obviously down south a lot of hot arenas a lot of those teams do pack their barn orlando packs it every night uh jacksonville packs it all the time uh florida packs it all the time so you know, that only makes it even hotter than how hot it is already. Like, you'd be surprised how hot it can be from morning skate with zero people in the building to seven o'clock at night with a full building. It gets pretty hot in some rinks. So it could just be hot. 
I don't know. <laughs> there's some there's some great clips of you uh, making incredible saves. So with the playback pretty much at every arena now, um, if you make a great save, do you bother to look up to go, how great was that? And if you do, when you get scored on, do the goalies look up to watch what happened? Or do you just like take that drink of water and go hurry up and drop the puck and let's go? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, definitely for me, I do watch it. It's like I said, I'm an ego boost guy. So anything that can <laughs> boost my ego, it, it honestly, it, it makes uh, my level, the way I play uh, a higher level. So oh, yeah. for sure, I'm, I'm definitely one guy that looks at it and yeah, the goals against, I, I, I look mainly just on all my mistakes and I may react, reenact my mistake once or twice to try and just, you know, calm my mind down and know that, you know, mistakes can be made and, and they can be fixed. That's kind of my mental standpoint on those situations. Um, you know, teams might say, oh, well, you, you shouldn't show anything. You shouldn't do anything. Well, you know, I want to know what I need to do to, you know, make the mistake better. Right. So, right. you know, I might dive into it a bit more than most goalies do during a game. Um, but you know, that's my take on it. As a young man in your pro career so far, what has been the favorite place to live or I guess be at for a longer period of time? Any fun places you'd, you'd want to live at again? Uh, well, seeing as I lived here for, uh, in Quebec for the last six years now, um, and I, I still live here cause I have my daughter here. Um, you know, I love Montreal. It's definitely, uh, I'm happy I, I landed here. I'm happy that I even stay here. Like, uh, I, I love it here. But, uh, you know, it, it, I haven't really been in many places like Montreal, so I think it's a little unfair to say that. But, uh, you know, definitely cherish my times in Owen Sound. I, I love that place. There's Sobel Beach there. It's a beautiful beach area um, in Ontario where Owen Sound is. But, um you know, Stockton, California, again, it was nice, except for the downfall of Stockton as a whole. Um, you know, if, if the crime wasn't so high there, it'd be a, it'd be a great place there too. Like uh, the captain Byron phrase, he lived in a beautiful area there. It's a gated community where he was living, but, um, you know, he had to move 30 minutes away from Stockton to find something like that, you know? So, yeah. um, uh, I think for me, I I was I've been lucky enough to be here, and I don't think I've been in many other places that I could say it's really a you know an awesome spot to live. But I definitely do cherish my times in Stockton, Owen Sound, as well as uh, you know Belleville too. Same thing there. It's the same exact thing as Owen Sound, pretty well in Belleville. So as a Canadian, if you had to choose one place in a, uh, in the United States, what would be like the best place for Canadians to live? Oh, is Florida. Lord. Yeah, they all love Florida. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if you still want to get the cold or not, too. but that makes sense. What even, was the what was the best crowd hype moment in your career? There was uh, one game in Owen Sound when we played London, and I think it was my first year or my no my my second year it was one of the first games of the year, and we won in a shootout. And I, I remember that game like it was I think I there's actually a highlight video of it on uh, YouTube, I think. And I had like 43 saves or 53 saves or something. We ended up winning 2-1 in a shootout. And it was probably one of them. It would probably was my best 
junior game ever. I probably had five or six uh, save of the year candidates in that one game. Uh, so, awesome. yeah, that was definitely uh, the crowd was crazy after that one. So out of all the D-men that have been by our side on the ice, so I'm talking any former teammates, you could go back to the OHL either because you play with a lot of great players then too. Who would you pick if you had to pick one to clear out the front of the net every time for who's the biggest, strongest guy you're taking a battle with you? Probably Shea Weber. Yeah. That's a big old <laughs> yeah, you can't really, uh, can't really say much uh, bad about that guy. I mean, yeah. I, I had the privilege to play with him. I actually have the privilege to take a slap shot at my face from him and went through my helmet uh, the year we were preparing for the bubble. The day before we were leaving for the bubble, uh, he just came in and wound up a clapper in practice and it went right through my helmet. Right you, through. You get annoyed at that, or was it just like whatever it was Shea Weber practicing his slap shot? Because he's got the hardest slap shot in the league other than Chara. So you're like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, if you watch the video, yeah, it was definitely in my head. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I know I'm not <laughs> Carrie Price, and you know, if it was Carrie, he definitely would not be doing that. But yeah. I know I'm not Carrie Price, but at the same time, I think you know, you, you can be a bit more lenient, you know, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. like I literally, when I saw him doing what he was doing, like the coach gave him a pass off the boards and he poked it forward and he poked it forward to like almost the hash marks, almost oh. like top circles. Oh, and he let it rip. And I remember seeing what he was doing and I just thought, okay, drop down. If it hits you, you're not lucky if it go if you stop it you're lucky like both like it was just and it just went i had i couldn't react i just went down and boom right in the head right between the eyes <laughs> wow um yeah. i guess we're gonna have to uh say american <laughs> league on this one oh just the yeah, AHL. yeah just the ahl we're what running is, a tally with these next two yeah questions, we, by the way, we, we do players. run tallies here the worst ice conditions in the ahl in the AHL. In the A specifically. Oh. Uh we, we play up north, so you like it's not that bad. Even ours. I like ours, but um I don't know. Because we don't have that awful ice. It's more down south. It's where the hot places are that really have the bad ice. Yeah. So it's hard to say in um in the north division. It it really is hard. Um probably more of the hotter rinks. Even even us sometimes, like if we're practicing, it's fine. But when we when we fit seventy five hundred people in Laval, like when I was playing there, yeah. it was uh the ice could get pretty soft sometimes. But I don't have much to say about ice over here because it's always pretty cold in all the places that we're at. So we never really have uh many ice issues to be honest i'm gonna say ahl echl and the ohl i want them all who had the worst locker rooms yeah we do take a tally on this one worst yeah. locker rooms we've heard so many bad stories particularly <laughs> in the east coast east coast is always bad we hear but yeah. sometimes even the uh nhl people don't like some of the locker rooms yeah yeah uh for the east coast or for the ohl I would have to say like Sudbury or something like that. Okay. Is it like you're in the hallway or what makes it bad? Uh, Sudbury is just like, have you seen that rink? It's very old. It's an no. old rink. Yeah, it's got to be one of it's got to be one of the oldest rinks in in the CHL. I would think. And, and, it's, and I'm sure it smells like it too, right? Oh yeah, 
Like that's a barn. That's a barn. Yeah, it's barn, isn't it? That's yeah. what we call a barn. So yeah. it's it's just really cold. Like uh, it's just really old. Like the way you have to bring the like you know everyone helps bring in the stuff and all the equipment off the bus and and all the, like the skate sharpener and all that stuff. So that like the way to get that stuff in like there's no like no bus port to go inside like you got to go in the side door and bring it in the normal doors and walk it all the way around the rink like it's just and it's just old like it's just the dressing rooms aren't nice it's just really old I maybe they done something with it now but 10 years ago when I was there it was pretty bad and the A I would have to say you know the problem is is I've only played in half of the leagues so every league i've only played on the east coast league right, the east right. side i haven't played on the west yeah um so yeah and then the a the dressing room probably say like i'm trying to think probably rochester okay rochester yeah. it's very small There are two two small rooms like small boxes pretty well and for me, like the goalie and D room. And then we have a few forwards that always have chairs in the middle of the room. Mm. So there's not even enough seats for the whole team. Um, yeah. And like, you'd think like you go to Utica and you'd think like their dressing room's bad, but you know, they have like full on like stall seats. So it looks like very cheap, nice dressing room, you know, so yeah. they have like your own sectional thing and everything. So that's that's nice. Even though you look at the rink, you'd probably think like, oh, they probably have terrible rooms there. They're not that bad. But Rochester, just because it's so tight-knit, and uh, it's honestly one of the first places that come to my mind. And then for the East Coast League, um, trying to think here. East Coast League. Brampton, I would have said, was bad, but they're not even a team anymore. Yeah. Um, a lot of the teams are pretty good. Um, probably Adirondack. Adirondack. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I didn't think of that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's like, even though it's it's uh, they have a big room at least. At least it's a big room in Adirondack. Yeah. You know, like some teams have that room, and I. It's uh small. If the room's big, at least it's at least you can move and uh, put your equipment somewhere. But when it's small, it's it makes it hard. Those are probably my top three uh, picks. And I I played in Adirondack too. Like I I loved playing in Adirondack. Like uh, Adirondack's another Owen Sound. It's the same exact thing. The fans are crazy, like crazy. Like those are the craziest fans probably I've ever ever had just like the hecklers and like just wow. the stuff they do you know it's just come, for me when you're playing on the team it's nice but when that was my first pro game ever was an adirondack and i had to go to the washroom so bad i let in f three goals in the first five minutes because i was so nervous i had to pee so bad and i couldn't go so i ended up just letting in three goals and finally the period was over Wow, Jeez. we ended up we ended up winning or losing five four in overtime. So we ended up coming back, but it was uh yeah the fans there are nuts. That's nuts. Awesome. So you still got a whole career to go, but up to this point, what would you say is your best moment or your best accolade? We'll when we'll end it there. I think you know obviously the CHL goalie of the year was pretty special. I think um, 
just with everything that I had been through a couple of years before that, I lost my grandfather who I, who I grew up with my whole life. And then that year was the year that I ended up losing my mother, which was pretty crazy. Cause I lost my mother. And then a week later, like uh, I played, you know, so good that uh, team Canada had to invite me and it was in Canada that year. And usually when it's in Canada, they only take two goalies, but I put them in a position where they, they couldn't not invite me. It just, it wouldn't have looked good. And then they, they cut me anyways, uh, after the, the first uh, couple of weeks or whatever, right before Christmas. But, uh, I ended up winning that award over both team Canada goalies. So, I mean, it didn't, didn't really phase me that much, but just everything that happened that year. And for me to still come on top, like I did, that was probably, um, you know, the highlight of my career. And it was obviously that I played, I got the call for the OHL and I never thought in a million years that I would get the CHL goalie of the year, but my dream came true. So we look forward to following your career and seeing, uh, you know, and probably when you uh, get off of this, you'll probably have an offer for another team. We'd uh, (laughs) love to have you back um, at another time. We'll say goodbye off air, but officially on air, we can't thank you enough, man. This has been great. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure, and uh, you know I wish you guys the best of luck. Okay, great guy. Love having goaltenders on because they do say goalies are strange. I can't say Michael wasn't strange at all, but maybe if we played with him on his team, maybe he'd do something strange. But he's not a strange goalie. Uh, look, his stats are great. How many times have we been uh, uh, hearing stories about? you know, goaltender, like we talked about Vladar with Boston. Right. Should have played a lot earlier in the right. NHL, in both of our opinions. Right. Finally is playing full-time, isn't he? Yeah, he should still be in Calgary as a backup. Yeah. So And, uh, but was never going to get the opportunity in Boston. Right. And you just got to kind of move on. So it's tough being a goalie. And this guy, this kid, you know, like I say, uh, he's going to get picked up real fast because uh, if you do some scouting on him and you look at how he how he plays, boy, he's a great goaltender. Yeah, and I know that uh, you know he had some things to say that I feel like a lot of uh, maybe some of the coaches your age, Dad, wouldn't appreciate to hear from the young kids. But I appreciate the chip on his shoulder, and I appreciate uh, you know he wasn't blaming the Montreal organization, but he was saying you know they ruined him. But I didn't think it was in a sense of him blaming them. It was a not every not all thirty two organizations are going to be a fit for you and a fit for you personally as a player and right. how you play in your style. And I think that just the way that they want him to be a goaltender wasn't. And I think he's just trying to find his feet again, but you can go back to those junior days. You know, he was, he was really good. And even his first few years pro. So I feel like now that COVID's gone and gone through this, all this weird stuff, I think he'll turn it on, man. He's clearly got a lot of confidence. He believes in himself, which is good. You want to see that. Well, he's 26. So, you know, his career is far from over. And I think if he gets the opportunity, right. Right. Um, you know, he's back in the American league and he's, uh, you know, working his way back. But again, you know, that is, you know, he feels confident about his knee as long as that knee holds up. Right. Um, and that could, very well be the case so we wish him a lot of luck yeah so in the meantime this one's running a little bit over but it was all good stories from uh michael mcniven we appreciate him make sure you follow him as well and we'll end it from here on this episode yep so thank you guys for tuning in we're going to try to be back on a more 
normal schedule here with the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We've just got a lot going on and we'll actually talk about it. And I don't know if we're going to release our three year anniversary special before we do this or after we release this episode, but we'll talk a little bit about what's been going on with us. So until then, uh, continue to follow us all over social media. Mostly we're active on Twitter X. Um, yeah, I guess it's X now, right? Yeah, it's no X. Twitter. So whatever. everybody I think is calling it Twitter X. Anyway, uh, uh, we'll try to get the Instagram going again. It's just uh rough, because uh, we got a lot going on, but continue to follow us. We have some EIHL guests coming on here next as well. So uh, please tune in for that and we'll check you all later. Have a good day.